Good morning, Bluff Church. We are so glad that you are a part of our online service today. Please leave us a comment so that we know you are here, and feel free to comment throughout the service. Be sure and share our video on Facebook so that others can see that you are worshiping and that they can worship with us. While you're at home, go ahead and give us a virtual hug, high five, or handshake. But while you're at it, Dave and I are going to give each other one. So give a hug, a high five, or a handshake. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. During this time, it can be easy to forget, but please remain faithful. There are three ways that you can give. You can go online through our website. You can drop it in the mail, or you can bring it by the office. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the Bluff Church and that we have the ability to meet online during this time of unknown, Lord. I just thank you that we have a chance to experience what the New Testament church was like. Um, please be with your people as this time is difficult for many, um, especially those who thrive on relationships and just being around people. Lord, I just pray for our message today and our band that you would just use them to speak to your people and help us to apply what is being said into our lives daily, um, even during this time of quarantine. Lord, I again thank you so much for our church, um, that you have a church who is faithful to you and is finding a way to still reach its people. We thank you and we love you and um, we are just excited for the week ahead. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey everyone, it's Mason. This Sunday is a very special Sunday. And it's not just because we're doing another online service as unique and special as that is. But this is also Palm Sunday. And it's also the celebration Sunday for our Rooted series. You see, if you were in one of our small groups, you've gone through this 10-week journey through Rooted. And this was supposed to be the big service of celebrating that. We were going to be bragging about what God has done. It's like the triumphal entry. When people were lining up on the streets just to see Jesus. And, and in that context, everyone would have been sharing stories about Jesus and talking about how cool he is and, and all the amazing things he's done. And, and to brag about Jesus. And we wanted to do that today in this context. So in a minute, you're going to be hearing stories of people who, who went through Rooted, and they're going to be talking about what has God done in their life over the years. This Sunday, we're going to be doing something very special in our service. We're going to be taking two opportunities to stop and pray as a congregation. The first one's going to be led by Doug Morris, and he's going to lead us in a prayer of thanksgiving towards our God. Because in this season, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of anxiety, but there's also a lot that we can be thankful to God for. So during that time, while Doug is praying, we want you to take out your phones and be commenting on what you are thankful to God during this time frame. At the same time, later on in the service, we're going to have a, a prayer of intercessory, which means that we're praying to God saying, God, this is not the way we want things to be. We need you right now. We are in total reliance upon you. And during that time frame, as I'll be praying in that, uh, that spot, we encourage you guys to take out your phones at the same time. As you're watching this, comment praying to God, saying, God, I need your help in this. God, won't you uh, work in this? God, we're asking for your will to be done in this area. Whatever it is, take that time. Because we want this to not just be another show that you're binge-watching, but we want this to be something that you are participating in as a family. Because what's unique about this service is that we're reminding ourselves of what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, which he said, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. 
yet do it with gentleness and respect. That's why for this service, instead of hearing a sermon, you're going to be hearing people's stories. And then we're going to be praying together because this is a, a service about celebrating what Christ has done. This is a service about spreading hope and love and faith during this time frame. I want to make another announcement as well. Many of you were not able to go through Rooted with us for a variety of reasons. And you know what? We were planning on doing another Rooted launch uh, later on this year. But we want to have this opportunity to open up our small groups. The ones that are already um, existing, that are not at capacity, we're going to be opening them up. So if you were not able to do Rooted, but you know what? You're tired of being quarantined and you want to be in a small group or maybe you're being Zoomed in with everyone else and you can see everyone on the screen and you can chat with someone who's not just your, your parents, your spouse, or your sibling right now, but you can chat with someone else and hear how everyone else is doing and you want to be part of one of our small groups. We want you to know now is the perfect opportunity. Because we're going to be starting a new curriculum with all the small groups, a new series, a new lesson starting on Easter Sunday with the, the new series that will be kicking off that Sunday. And so if you want to be part of that journey and join in with the group, we're opening the doors for that right now. So please contact either me or Dave or, or our Facebook page or on our website uh, to sign up for one of those small groups that are open. Good morning, Bluff Church. It's been a while since we've seen each other, but... Uh... I wish we were all together again. This is Doug Morris, one of your elders, and today we're going to focus a little bit on being thankful for the many blessings that we all still have. And uh, we're going to ask you if you have the opportunity to uh, send us a text real quick and tell us what you're thankful of this morning as well, and it'll show up on uh, the screen this morning so other people can see in your Facebook account. And join me in prayer if you would. Father God, we thank you for the day you've given us. Lord, you have poured out so many blessings upon our lives and in so many different ways. And Lord, it's hard sometimes to see it in the situation we're in right now, especially for some. But Lord, I, I pray that we are thankful for the, the very many blessings you pour out upon us. Lord, I pray that we would have that attitude always. Father, just walk with us this morning and talk with us this morning. And let us think about our other brothers and sisters, Lord, and some in great need and some in great turmoil, Lord, and touch them in a mighty way. Build in them an attitude of thankfulness today. Lord, you tell us to be thankful in all situations. And Father, I I pray that we would do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Louder and louder You're gonna hear my praises roar 
ashes Hope will arise Death is defeated Your King is alive
at this point of our service, we're going to take a moment and we're, we're going to lament with God. We're going to cry out to God as a family. So as you're watching this and I'm praying for us and asking for God's will in this time and asking for God's relief and God's help during this time, I want to encourage you guys, as you're watching, be doing the same. As you got your phone, take it out. Be writing comments of asking God of requests. It's okay to ask God for need or, or for help during this time. And this is what we want to use this part of the service for. So as I pray, uh, please join me in typing out your own comments of things that you're asking God for help now in this, this time. Father, we, we come with grieving hearts. This is not the season that we wanted to be in. This is not the way we wanted things to to be this Sunday. No church was longing for, for this kind of experience, Father. And so our hearts are grieved because we know people are hurting. We know people are suffering during this time frame. We know people all across the world are, are crying out to you, are losing hope. And so, Father, we ask that, that you might be somehow glorified in this, that this might be part of your will. You've done things like this in the past. You have been glorified in the midst of crisis for centuries. And you have used elements of this in our history to bring people back to you. And so we ask, Father, that right now the world might be turning its heart towards you. That it might be longing for you more. Help us to have the humility to cry out to you. Help us to see you at work during this time frame. Father, there's anything that that you can do in our lives in the midst of this. We surrender to you. We submit to you. We ask that your will might be done. Use us, Father, as your hands and feet during this time. Let us be the church that has deployed. Let us be the church that carries hope into the darkness And just as we just heard all these stories a minute ago, Father, let us continue in that. Let us continue this season of praising you, Father. Even in the midst of our great need. Even in the midst of our anxiety and fear. Remind us that you are still God. Help us, Father. We know this season is predicted to be worse. And so we're crying out in advance, help us. Is in your name I pray. Amen.
now at this part of our service, we're going to turn our hearts to hearing people share their Jesus stories. And this is not just their stories of how they came to faith, but this is stories about the continual faithfulness of our God through the many ups and downs in life and where God has brought them currently or, or what God has done in their past and what God is teaching them right now. And it's, it's going to be a special time. Hi, my name's Travis Venable. I've been coming to the Bluff Church for seven, eight years. Um, my story really didn't start as far as my relationship with God didn't start many years before that. I spent a lot of my younger years angry at someone that I didn't understand. And I wasn't raised with a knowledge of God. I was just raised that you should believe in him. And that was the end of the discussion. I would show up to a church when there was a wedding or when my parents said it's time to go because somebody was sick. Um, about the first or second time that the Bluff Church had their uh, Labor Day church in the park, I was asked to bring some potato chips. Um, I worked for Frito-Lay, so I had a hook up there. Um, I brought some chips. I stuck around. They had a few games. It was like, okay, this is a little different. Um, and I started coming. After that, uh, the messages were kind of, they struck to my I like history part. So that, that touched with me. And, and over time, I started feeling a connection with God that I I didn't know before, and I wasn't real sure where to go with that. I had felt nudgings before. I'd have a problem, and I'd call out to God, and and he would answer it, and it would get me a little closer to the door. Um, I never really felt him knocking at the door. Um, it was more of a, you know, maybe you hear a conversation outside an open window, and, and you kind of hear little whispers, and you're like, okay, I understand that, but you don't hear the whole conversation. Um, then one day as I was headed home from work, um, I was on my road and I was driving along and a thought popped in my head and it said to me, what will people think when you tell them you're getting baptized? And I almost just stopped my vehicle right there because that was a game changer for me. Because prior to this, I had, I had started my relationship with God, but I always resisted that move. I had always said, well, that's just a showy thing that other people do to, to show off to other people what they, what they feel and how they are. But when that message and that voice come to me, I knew that that wasn't my thought. It wasn't my original thought. And for the first time in my life... I really just said, okay, I, I finished the drive home, I come in the house, and I said, I'm going to talk to the pastor next week, and, and I want to get baptized. I didn't argue with it, and that was probably the first time that I didn't argue with God. And since that time, I've looked at my relationship with God as... A power struggle of not me trying to hold on to the power, 
but me, the struggle of me giving it, feeling like I'm giving it back to him, like I'm listening to his voice now. And there's a lot of days that it's really hard because I've spent a lot of my life controlling or trying to control my story. But by slowly releasing it and saying, God, I'm going to let you lead me this time, I've been able to see countless stories in just the last nine years where he has performed one miracle after another in my life. Whether it's picking me back up after my first marriage fell apart, in large part to a lot of the mistakes that I made, to introducing me to my current wife who we said in one of our very first conversations was that you have to be perfectly broken for each other in order for this marriage to work. And what she brought into it and what I brought into it was was a perfect match. And that was 100% of what God has done for me and done in my life. Every day that I get up, I'm on my way to work or... I'm sitting with my drink first thing in the morning. I say, okay, God, what can you do today that brings me closer to you? Hi, I'm Jennifer Crafton. Um, I've been coming to the Bluff Church for a little over four years, and today I'm going to share my story with you. Um, I'm going to read part of it just so I can stay on track. Um, So I used to think that I didn't have a story that would help or benefit anyone by hearing it. I've not lived through tragic loss or had an addiction that I've had to overcome. I realized that my story does not have one big moment uh, that led to my faith in God, but rather many events along the way. I believe that my life has taught me that even in the middle of loss or bad times, that it's all part of God's ultimate plan. I've always been a firm believer that everything happens for a reason, for God's purpose. We may not always see this in the middle of it, but looking back, I can now see that my life has went exactly the way that it needed to in order to make me who I am. So we'll start with um, my biological parents lived in South Carolina. Um, Approximately a month before I was due, they came to Popper Bluff to visit some family. Uh, Right after they got here, um, she ended up, my biological mom ended up going into labor on March the 8th and gave birth to me uh, approximately 21 days early. Um, They were the type of people that weren't very stable, and they decided that, hey, let's just find a place to live and live in Popper Bluff instead of going back to South Carolina. Um, When I was about three weeks old, uh, the neighbors noticed that our parents had left um, and left the children at home. I had a brother that was three and a half years older than me, and uh, police and DFS were called. Uh, This resulted in us being taken away from our biological parents and put into foster care. Um, my brother that was three and a half years older than me, I learned later, um, was ultimately part of the reason why I was alive. Um, my foster parents ended up adopting us, um, and they are who I refer to as my parents. So for the remainder of the story, when I say my mom and dad, that's who I'm referring to. 
Um, I always knew that I was adopted. Growing up, my mom always told me that my biological parents were not ready to be parents, but God knew that she was, so that's why we were given to her. She told me that she often prayed to God and promised that if he would allow her to have us, that she would make sure that we were given back to him, and that she did. Every time that the church doors were open, we were there. Um, And I'll just say I've met my biological parents, and I do love them as friends. I do not hold anger towards them. Um, About the age of five, I realized that my parents, my mom and dad's relationship was not healthy, wasn't what it was supposed to be. I witnessed things that uh, children really shouldn't witness. I remember going to bed every night praying that um, they would divorce. And when I was about 12, they ended up divorcing. For about a six-month period of time after the divorce, my brother and I had visitation with my dad, but it ended abruptly. Um, My brother was developmentally slow, and during my parents' divorce, ended up having a mental breakdown and was placed in and out of hospitals and group homes for trying to hurt himself and hurt us. Uh, This was a really hard time for my mom. My mom worked long hours, sometimes two jobs, to make ends meet. During this time, I learned how to cook, uh, clean, write checks, balance checkbook, pay bills, um, all before starting high school. I remember when I was old enough to drive, I would make trips to Farmington to attend family counseling sessions with my brother um, because there was more often times that it made more sense for me to miss school than my mom to miss work and have a short paycheck. At age 17, while senior in high school, I met my first husband. I ended up pregnant with my oldest towards the middle of my senior year, and one week before graduating high school, we got married and moved in together. Um, Age 21 was a big year for me. I had my third child. My dad remarried a wonderful woman, and they adopted two children. I became guardian of my older brother, and during this time, my dad and I developed a pretty close relationship. Within a month of turning 25, I found out I was pregnant with our fourth baby. I got a new job with good hours, good pay, and excellent benefits. My life at that point was going great. When I was about three to four months pregnant with my fourth son, my husband asked for a divorce. He had learned that in Missouri you can't file for divorce if you or your spouse are pregnant, so we knew at that time that we would have to wait. I can say that this was the hardest part of my life to this point. I never had thoughts of ending my life, but there were plenty of times that I didn't care if I went to bed and didn't wake up the next morning. I was scared, embarrassed, and ashamed. I felt like that I had failed. I had failed God, my husband, and my children. I didn't want anyone to know. Um, I began going to counseling with the idea that I needed to learn how to be a better wife so that my husband wouldn't follow through with the divorce. While counseling did not save my marriage, and it ultimately ended in divorce, I did, a learn, I did learn a lot about trusting God and understanding to turn it all over to Him. I found myself a single mom of four young kids. My plan was to focus on them and working. I was young and knew I didn't want to be alone forever, but who would want a divorced woman that had four kids? I ended up meeting Eric, my current husband, and my plans were ultimately changed. Eric had never been married and did not have any kids. Um, For whatever reason, he was interested in not only me, but in my boys as well. Um, We then welcomed our baby girl in May of 2011. 
about the same time she was born, my dad and stepmom split up and ended up with custody. And my dad ended up with custody of my baby brother and baby sister that were 12 and 14 at that time. They had nowhere to go, so they moved in with us. Um, And at this time, I began developing a relationship with my brother and sister more as their mom instead of their big sister. Um, As time passed, my relationship with my dad fell apart again. Um, My husband and his family had showed me what family is supposed to be. For the first time in my life, with the exception of my mom, I felt someone loved me for me, not for what I could do for them. For so long, I struggled with, why does he love me? I don't have anything to offer him. I couldn't wrap my head around it. He sacrificed so much for me. He worked full-time and cared for all seven of the kids while I went to nursing school. He cooked, cleaned, and everything in between. Right after I finished nursing school, I started coming to the bluff, which, as I said, was a little over four years ago. Um, While no one will ever know what it is like to love like God, I can say that I do understand a little bit better after meeting my husband. Um, I can honestly say he loves me because he chooses to. There were many times in my life as a child and even an adult when I didn't know where money would come from for food, electric, you name it, uh, yet God always provided. I've also learned that forgiveness is is for myself more than for the person that wronged me. I know that every detail in my life was and is part of God's plan for my life. Hello, my name is Steve Hicks. Uh, I'm with a small group that uh, was led by uh, Heath Willis. And uh, last week, uh, Coach Seavers gave the message, and he's in our group, so we were all proud of him and what he did uh, with his message. Uh, when they asked me to do this, I uh, was a little hesitant, but I'd already done it with the small group, so I know what I'm wanting to say. And uh, uh, I know my story, so it may not be exactly like it was, guys, with the small group, but it'll be close. Uh, basically, I just want to explain how I've, my journey, my life with God and Jesus, uh, uh, how it all got started and where I'm at now. Uh, uh, the small group, some of us talked about God moments. I don't know if I really have a God moment other than the time I got saved and maybe a time or two other, but there's, God works through our lives every day. I don't think we just, we just don't see it, uh, maybe until a day or two later. Uh, and then you realize, well, he was right there with me the whole time. So anyway, I'm just going to try to go over uh, what I've experienced in my time. And uh, Anyway, here we go. Uh, my first memories of going to church was when I was about five years old. Uh, I went to Trinity Baptist down on 142. Uh, it's down there close to Harville area. Uh, my mom and dad worked a lot right at that time, and I was being babysitted by a friend of theirs. And uh, they had uh, kids my age, and they invited me to go to church with them. So I started going to church down at Trinity. Uh, they'd come and get me, and we'd do you know vacation Bible school, that type of stuff. Anyway, I remember that quite well because of the, the lady that taught me. Her name was B. Coon. I'll never forget it. She gave me my first Bible. I still have it today. Uh, she wrote her name in it. And uh, it was my, uh, I mean, I had it for years. I've got a lot of other Bibles now helping me to study things, but uh, that one there is kind of precious to me because it was my first one. Anyway, we went to church there uh, quite a while, and my mom and dad started going there as well. Uh, we lived kind of south 67 there where we were living at, and uh, it was easy to go to Trinity. So we were there until we moved. I was about the fourth grade, uh, moved out to Stringtown area. 
uh, at that point, uh, we were kind of out in the middle of nowhere, and uh, we weren't attending church as much. Mom and Dad didn't want to drive that far going back to Trinity. Uh, we sort of just kind of hung in there for a while. So anyway, I didn't have a lot of experience at that point from about fourth grade till up until high school. Uh, started dating uh, someone that was going to church at uh, Fellowship Southern Baptist there at the bottom of the hill. If you're going down 67 at the bottom over on the right, that little church there. So about, oh, what is that, 15, 16 years old, I started going to church down there. And uh, youth group, we sang in the choir, we did all kinds of stuff, we had a good time. I was with all my friends, a lot of friends from high school went there. And uh, anyway, I had a good experience. Uh, it was about that time, though, where I don't know, many of you may have experienced this, where you begin to uh, clench the back of the pew. I mean, you're hearing messages, and you're like, man, that's me, he's talking to me. Uh, you're squeezing. At the end of the time, he's calling for you to come forward, and you're like, ah, you're fighting it the whole way. And uh, anyway, I, uh, we had a new preacher come in. And uh, he was doing the same thing. I've started feeling the same stuff with his messages. And uh, he kept talking to me. I think he realized I was feeling something. I was being drawn. And uh, anyway, he, he kept working with me. And uh, somehow or another, he found out, because I lived in out Stringtown, so I was driving a pretty good distance myself to go to church. Uh, it might have been the girlfriend at the time, gave me my address, showed him where I, was, where I lived. <clears throat> but one Sunday afternoon after church, I was sitting there in the living room, probably about, I don't know, 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Someone knocks on the door, and my mom answers it, and it's him. Well, they'd never met him before, and uh, uh, I told him, oh, it's a preacher. And uh, I said, okay, he asked if he could talk to me outside, and I'm like, sure. So we went outside, and we're standing there by his pickup truck in the driveway, and uh, he starts talking to me and kind of bringing up the same feelings that I was having in church and uh, talking to me about Jesus and, you know, all that. And uh, next thing I know, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed and I'm asking Jesus into my heart. And uh, that was the day I got saved. So uh, right there in the driveway, <coughs> uh, Springtown, Missouri, Beaver Creek. <clears throat> so anyway, at that point, you know, everything's going great. Uh, the youth group still keeps going. We're, I'm... Like I said, I was about 16, 17, got uh, baptized at Lone Hill Baptist Church. Uh, that was the closest church that we were uh, to at the time that had a baptistry. So I got baptized there at Lone Hill. Uh, anyway, stayed active with the church uh, through high school. And even uh, I went to Three Rivers here for two years. Stayed with them for a while there. Uh, it wasn't until I went off to college that, uh, you know, I kind of drifted back a little bit and, uh, uh, I was away from home there for uh, oh at least four years, and uh, didn't go to church much at all. I uh, was in church a few times for different things, but not not too active. Of course, then the college lifestyle kind of puts you back a little bit. Uh, I dealt with those types of things. There's a lot going on there. There's things I've done that I ain't proud of in that period of my life. But hey, uh, it was just an experience I had, and uh, it's, it's behind me now. Uh, anyway, I graduated from college. I got myself a job here in Popper Bluff, and uh, I see I hadn't been working more than about a year here at Smith and Company, and uh, met my what came to be my wife Dawn, and uh, we dated for a while, and uh, she uh, she was big into church. She uh, she'd grown up in church. Uh, 
she lived in Hot Springs, Arkansas. She'd been moved up here to Poplar Bluff. Anyway, she was telling me, we need to go to church. We need to go to church. And I was, at that point, kind of fighting a little bit. Ah, we find something, you know. And I mean, she kept looking around, and uh, she found a few. And I think we visited a couple of them together. And uh, I was still being kind of hard-headed about it. Well, one day I get a call from a buddy of mine that I went to high school with. And he he uh, said, hey, you want to play some softball? I said, uh, man, that sounds great. He goes, yeah, we got a team. And uh, we'd like for you to play on it. And I said, "Boy, I, I, that's great." Because I get my I get my glove out, I'll be ready to go. He said, "Well, there's only one catch." He says, uh, "You got to go to church a couple times a month. This is the uh, church league." I said, "Oh, really?" And he, said, he goes, "Yeah." And I thought, "Well, all right, this will be my." I can tell Don I'll go to church twice twice a month, and uh, you know, get back in it a little bit here. So uh, I said, "Which church is it?" He said, "Well, New Covenant Fellowship out here. They got a ball field, and we play." In the, in the league, and I said, all right, sounds good. So there we go. Uh, started going to church a little bit and uh, attending their new covenant. Uh, so Dawn and I dated almost, I think it was right over, a little over two years. She was getting upset with me because I hadn't asked her to marry me, and it had been two years. But at that point, uh, 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 at some point there, I finally did ask her to marry me, and we uh, continued to go to church there at New Covenant. Uh, for quite a while after we were married, I know uh, Savannah had been born, and... Uh, I don't think uh, uh, Parker had been quite born yet, but uh, anyway, we, we were there for quite a while. And uh, one of the things that I wasn't used to, as, as if you've noticed so far, uh, I grew up in the Baptist uh, uh, churches, and uh, Don had experienced more of the uh, non-denominational uh, type uh, Pentecostal somewhat uh, experiences. Anyway, New Covenant, there it, it's a little... It's a little different. It's non-denominational, but uh, they speak in tongues and whatnot. So when the first time I got in there, first I had the tongues that were like, what's going on here? And then, uh, of course, I couldn't get over the band. Uh, I thought we was going to a concert every every Sunday morning. And anyway, it began to grow on me and uh, got used to the band, got used to the music, started liking it. And uh, I was still having some issues with the tongue. I didn't understand what was going on with the tongues. And so, you know, I was being taught about that. And uh, uh, anyway, one of the other experiences besides me being saved. Uh, one night, I can't remember what we were there for. It was on, a, I think it was a Sunday night. But uh, my uncle went to church there as well. And uh, my brother, uh, I wasn't sure if he'd been saved yet, uh, you know, and I hadn't really asked him any questions like that. But uh, we uh, had something going on at church that night, and everybody was kind of up and about hoopla and whatnot, and uh, singing and dancing and doing things, and uh, I remember my uncle, the pastor, and a few other guys come around me, and they want to pray for me. And I said, uh, "That's fine and dandy, but I need you to pray for my brother." Uh, and they they said, "No, no." I said, "Yeah, I need to pray for my brother." And they was like, "No, we're gonna pray for you." And uh, anyway, next thing I know, they're praying for me, and uh, what I experienced that night, I can't, I can't really explain it, but it. Uh, it was a touch from God for sure, and uh, it helped me out quite a bit and grew my faith in the Lord quite a, quite a bit. And uh, it was it was something to experience. I don't know how to explain it, but uh, all I remember is uh, just a gush coming over my body, and uh, it, it just it was really something. Uh, anyway. Uh, Eventually, my brother did get saved, thank goodness, and uh, I don't know if it was that night or not because there was so much going on about him. He was there, and uh, the, uh, anyway, it was it was a good experience. 
we attended church there for a while longer. Uh, uh, decided to move on. No reason. And we love everybody there at New Covenant. There's a great church. Uh, just decided to try something different for a while. Uh, went to Midland, uh, down on the south end of town for quite a few years. Another great church. Uh, great people down there as well. Uh, you know, Grace. Learned a lot about Grace in that church. And uh, anyway, just as, I don't know what it is, but we decided to check some things out again. And uh, next thing you know, we landed here at the Bluff. And uh, we've been here now for, oh shoot, uh, I don't know how many years it's been. Three or four, maybe going on five now. Uh, anyway, we really enjoy the people here, and, and uh, every everything's just great. And I don't know my. There's times I know I don't do things right, but you can always rely on going back and uh, asking God for forgiveness. And uh, He's in your heart. He's always going to be in your heart. And just always remember that that if, if things don't seem like it's going that well, uh, just relax. Know that Jesus has got your back. Good morning, Bluff Church. Even though we're not together, I'm glad we can get together online. I want to tell you my Jesus story. It's not necessarily the story of my salvation, although I guess every story with Jesus begins there. But I want to tell you about how Jesus taught me to trust. You know, when you're a mom, well, if you're a dad, I guess you don't know, but you've seen moms um, try to get their kids to pick up their toys or take out the dog or whatever the case may be. And you say it nice two or three times and then nobody pays attention. So you have to lose your mind and uh, scream and yell and do something crazy to get their attention. Well, that's kind of what happened to me um, when Jesus taught me to trust. So um, a lot of you know this story, but you probably have never heard um, the ins and outs because I don't think I've shared it with very many people. But... um, Jesus taught me to trust on a day that um, was the worst day of my life. And he stepped in and made it one of the best days of my life. Um, And that seems almost impossible to believe, but I lived it so I know it's true. Um, On January 15th, 2016, our family's life changed forever. And so it was a typical day for Steve. He went to work, and it was Martin Luther King Day, so I got to stay home. And he gave me a call and said that uh, one of the people that he works with drove into the shop that morning and said they had witnessed an accident, and there was a blue car involved. And um, so that made us a little bit nervous because it was on a road where our son drove, and so... um, some of you may have seen the Life360 app, but it's uh, it's an app for your cell phone, and you can see where people are, where they're going, that kind of thing. And and so um, he looked at that, and Dylan was on the highway in uh, a stationary position, and it stayed that way for a while. And so he called me, and he was a little bit nervous, but we decided, oh, you know, whatever that accident is, he's probably just stuck in traffic behind it, and it's an area where there's not good cell signal. So uh, we'll hear from him later. And so time passed and time passed and nothing happened. Um, so we became a little more nervous and a little more nervous. And so Steve said, I'm just going to drive out there. So I said, okay, well, I think you're just uh, overreacting, but that's okay. You go do that. And so um, I went and woke my daughter up. She was asleep. And I said, hey, I said, it's probably nothing, but we think maybe Dylan's been in a car accident. 
And so um, she gets up, and we're kind of waiting to hear from Steve. And so uh, a few minutes later, he calls us, and he says, I just passed an ambulance, but I'm going to head on down the highway. And I said, okay, well, just in case, Hannah and I will go to the hospital. If he was in an accident and he's in the ambulance, we'll be there when he gets there. So Hannah and I drove out to the hospital, and we're just sitting in the parking lot waiting for an uh, ambulance to come just in case, all this time thinking that we're probably blowing things way out of proportion. Um, And so we're just sitting there, and we're sitting there, and the longer you sit, the more you think, and the more scared you get, and the more nervous you get, and all the what-ifs begin to run through your mind. And so um, we get a call from Steve Um, and he's really not able to speak to us, um, but I can hear him on the other end of the phone very upset. I can hear a lot of noise in the background, and finally, uh, Steve said he was in an accident, and he didn't make it, and those words were just almost impossible to process. Um, Hannah was sitting beside me, and we were just looking at each other, almost in unbelief um, that this could be real, but uh, we spoke with Steve for just a minute, and um, he was uh, in the back of a police car, and so uh, they kind of had him in a secure place, and and so I knew he was okay, and um, I said, okay, well, I guess this is real, so this is life now, and I hung up the phone, and I looked at Hannah, and and at that point, This wasn't Melissa speaking, um, but I looked at her and I said, God is still good. And in that moment, that was not a mother's reaction. I have no doubts that Jesus was with us in that car. Um, Otherwise, I wouldn't have had the strength to utter those words, let alone um, speak them out loud to somebody else. Um, But I did. And uh, that changed everything for me. Hours went by like minutes, Um, but yet when you think back on them, it seems like uh, days and days happened in a matter of hours. Um, Good friends, people from this very church, uh, were immediately at my side Um, because there were people to tell, people to tell that uh, you don't call on the phone, and they were there for me. And so... um, you know, you just, uh, you don't sleep and you don't eat and you can't think. And is this real? Is this, you know, I remember telling people, I'm just waiting to wake up. Um, but reality sets in um, as time ticks by and you realize that it's it's all too real. Um, and I just remember day by day feeling devastated, but at the same time, feeling that biblical peace beyond all understanding. Um, And I wish I could explain it to you, but it's beyond all understanding. You can't understand it until you've experienced it, and I did. Um, There's just uh, a sense of terrible wrongness about losing someone you love so desperately and at the same time feeling like it's all going to be okay because God is still good. It's just incredible. Um, I was sad and I would cry, but at the same time, I would be okay because I knew where my son was. 
I had that blessed assurance, you know, a thousand church words and cliches and songs that you can came up with, but it was all there for me, every minute of it. Um, And I remember just um, realizing that while this hurts, that shouldn't be the end of the story. Um, And so over the course of days and then in the weeks to follow, um, it was just like uh, I was an empty vessel that God decided to fill up and words would come to me. Anybody who spent time around me knows that words aren't necessarily something that comes difficult for me, but I don't necessarily have the words that were given to me during that time. And um, again and again, uh, God would just fill me up um, with this message about, do you know him? Um, And so I would just uh, pour my heart out. Uh, and write and share those things with people. Um, and it was such a blessing during that time. Uh, one um, incident in particular that I remember, um, it, it was a few days after he had died, and I had a lot of family in from out of town, and so we were going to get something to eat. And so where do you go? We go here, we go there. And I said, there's this little kitschy place in town that we should go, Hayden's. And, um, you know, it's a little bitty place, those of you who have ever been there, and not necessarily someplace you would think to take 20 people all at once. But I called him and I just said, hey, uh, you know, we, we wanted to come and eat, and do you have uh, room for us? And they said, yeah, sure. Uh, we're not busy right now, so come on in. And so we went there, and... Um, there happened to be two highway patrolmen sitting at one of the tables near the door when we walked in and uh, everybody walked in and got seated and and I just um I was stricken by what I'd seen with those men sitting there and so I turned around and I walked back to their table and I said um my son was killed in a car accident a couple of days ago and I maybe never appreciated what you do before but it's hard and thank you for what you do And I just walked away, and that was the end of it. And uh, Steve got there a little after we did. We ate, we left, we got home. And he said, I don't know if you happen to see those highway patrolmen that were sitting there. He said, but they were at Dylan's accident. Now, God did that. There's no reason that I should have said that to complete strangers, but God knew. They knew what those men had experienced. They knew what I had experienced. And for whatever reason, he put us together in that moment. And that's Jesus. I don't have any doubt that he orchestrated that moment in time so those men could hear that someone appreciated what they did and that it should come from a grieving mother. Now, why God did that? I'll probably never know, but I can appreciate the fact that he made it happen. And so I told you I was going to tell you a story about the day that God taught me to trust. Um, And that's exactly what it was, because what I learned in that moment was that if you can trust God with your child's very immortal soul, you can trust him with anything.
I want to remind you once again of the small group option. If you are not part of a small group, but you would like to take this opportunity now that the small groups have finished the Rooted series to join in with a small group because you missed out on it, we want you to know that opportunity now exists. Please contact either me or Dave or go on our website or message us on Facebook. Get in contact with us so that you can join one of our small groups so that you can continue to grow in Christ together, have community together in our quarantine state. Finally, as we close out this service, I want to start a new tradition as we're doing this online service. I I saw a prayer this week that was scripted. This is not written by me, but it was sent to me this week, and I think it is the perfect prayer for us. So as long as we're doing this online service during this pandemic, I want to close out in reading this prayer over us. So if you please pray with me. May we, who are merely inconvenienced, remember those whose lives are at stake. May we, who have no risk factors, remember those most vulnerable. May we, who have the luxury of working from home, remember those who must choose between preserving their health or making their rent. May we, who have the flexibility to care for our children when their schools close, remember those who have no options. May we, who have to cancel our trips, remember those that have no safe place to go. May we, who are losing our margin money in the tumult of economic market, remember those who have no margin at all. May we, who settle in for a quarantine at home, remember those who have no home. As fear grips our country, let us choose love. 
During this time when we cannot physically wrap our arms around each other, let us yet find ways to be the loving embrace of God to our neighbors. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord shine favor upon you and give you peace during this time.